This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. We live in a world of options where we might do this or that if we feel like it. But for followers of Jesus, certain things are not optional, but necessary. Keep listening to find out more about Necessary Christianity by Claude Alexander and by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson. And Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading. Nehemiah, chapter 6, verse 15, through chapter 7, verse 65. The rebuilding of the wall is finally completed. So the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, in just 52 days, when all our enemies heard and all the nations who were around us saw this, they were greatly disheartened. They knew that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. In those days, the aristocrats of Judah repeatedly sent letters to Tobiah, and responses from Tobiah were repeatedly coming to them. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, son of Era. His son, Jonathan, had married the daughter of Meshulam, son of Berechiah. They were telling me about his good deeds and then taking back to him the things I said. Tobiah, on the other hand, sent letters in order to scare me. Chapter 7 When the wall had been rebuilt and I had positioned the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I then put in charge over Jerusalem my brother, Hanani, and Hananiah, the chief of the citadel for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many do. I said to them, The gates of Jerusalem must not be opened in the early morning until those who are standing guard close the doors and lock them. Position residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their guard stations and some near their homes. Now the city was spread out and large, and there were not a lot of people in it. At that time, houses had not been rebuilt. My God placed it on my heart to gather the leaders, the officials, and the ordinary people so they could be enrolled on the basis of genealogy. I found the genealogical records of those who had formerly returned. Here is what I found written in that record. These are the people of the province who returned from the captivity of the exiles, whom King Nebuchadnezzar 
of Babylon had forced into exile. They returned to Jerusalem and to Judah, each to his own city. They came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Azariah, Ramiah, Nehemiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpareth, Bigvay, Nahum, and Bananiah. The number of Israelite men was as follows. The descendants of Parosh, 2,172. The descendants of Sheftiah, 372. The descendants of Era, 652. The descendants of Pehath Moab, from the line of Jeshua and Joab, 2,818. The descendants of Elam, 1,254. The descendants of Zatu, 845. The descendants of Zechai, 760. The descendants of Benuai, 648. The descendants of Bibai, 628. The descendants of Asgad, 2,322. The descendants of Adonikam, 667. The descendants of Bigve, 2,067. The descendants of Adin, 655. The descendants of Eter, through Hezekiah, 98. The descendants of Hashem, 328. The descendants of Bezai, 324. The descendants of Harif, 112. The descendants of Gibeon, 95. The men of Bethlehem and Natophah, 188. The men of Anatoth, 128. The men of the family of Asmaveth, 42. The men of Kariah, Jerem, Kephariah, and Beeroth, 743. The men of Ramoth and Geba, 621. The men of Michmash, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 123. The men of the other Nebo, 52. The descendants of the other Elam, 1,254. The descendants of Haram, 320. The descendants of Jericho, 345. The descendants of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 721. The descendants of Sinaiah, 3,930. The priest, the descendants of Jedidiah, through the family of Jeshua, 973. The descendants of Immer, 1,052. The descendants of Pashur, 1,247. The descendants of Haram, 1,017. The Levites, the descendants of Jeshua, through Cadmiel, through the line of Hodaviah, 74. The Singers, the descendants of Asaph, 148. The Gatekeepers, the descendants of Shalem, the descendants of Ater, the descendants of Talmon, the descendants of Akub, the descendants of Hattita, and the descendants of Shobiah, 138. The Temple Servants, the descendants of Ziha, the descendants of Hashufa, the descendants of Taboath, the descendants of Kiros, the descendants of Sia, the descendants of Padon, the descendants of Lebaniah, the descendants of Hagabath, the descendants of Shelmei, the descendants of Hanan, the descendants of Gidil, the descendants of Gehar, the descendants of Riah, the descendants of Rezin, the descendants of Nikoda, the descendants of Gazam, the descendants of Uzziah, the descendants of Passiah, the descendants of Basiah, 
the descendants of Meunim, the descendants of Nephusim, the descendants of Bakbuk, the descendants of Hakufa, the descendants of Harfor, the descendants of Basla, the descendants of Mahida, the descendants of Harsha, the descendants of Barkos, the descendants of Sisera, the descendants of Tima, the descendants of Neviah, the descendants of Hatifa, the descendants of the servants of Solomon, the descendants of Sotiah, the descendants of Sopharath, the descendants of Perida, the descendants of Jela, the descendants of Darkon, the descendants of Giddel, the descendants of Sheftiah, the descendants of Hatil, the descendants of Pokhareth, Hazabaim, and the descendants of Amon. All the temple servants and the descendants of the servants of Solomon, 392. These are the ones who came up from Tel Melah, Tel Harsha, Kirub, Adon, and Immer, although they were unable to certify their family connection or their ancestry, as to whether they were really from Israel. The descendants of Deliah, the descendants of Tobiah, and the descendants of Nakoda, 642. And from among the priests, the descendants of Hobiah, the descendants of Hekaz, and the descendants of Barzillai, who had married a woman from the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and was called by that name. They searched for their records in the genealogical materials, but none were found. They were therefore excluded from the priesthood. The governor instructed them not to eat any of the sacred food until there was a priest who could consult the Yorim and Thummim. New Testament reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 through chapter 14, verse 25. Chapter 13, The Way of Love. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. And if I have prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I receive no benefit. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envious. Love does not brag. It is not puffed up. It is not rude. It is not self-serving. It is not easily angered or resentful. It is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be set aside. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I set aside childish ways. For now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Chapter 14. Prophecy and Tongues Pursue love and be eager for the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For the one speaking in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. For no one understands. He is speaking mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, 
encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be strengthened. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I help you unless I speak to you with a revelation or with knowledge or prophecy or teaching? It is similar for lifeless things that make a sound like a flute or harp. Unless they make a distinction in the notes, how can what is played on the flute or harp be understood? If, for example, the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will be ready for battle? It is the same for you. If you do not speak clearly with your tongue, how will anyone know what is being said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are probably many kinds of languages in the world, and none is without meaning. If then I do not know the meaning of a language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. It is the same with you. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, seek to abound in order to strengthen the church. So then, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will also sing praises with my mind. Otherwise, if you are praising God with your spirit, how can someone without the gift say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are certainly giving thanks well, but the other person is not strengthened. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Instead, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. It is written in the law, by people with strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. Yet not even in this way will they listen to me, says the Lord. So then, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and unbelievers or uninformed people enter, will they not say that you have lost your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or uninformed person enters, he will be convicted by all. He will be called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And in this way, he will fall down with his face to the ground and worship God, declaring, God is really among you. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and holy and righteous God, we thank you for your word today. God, we are just struck by the fact, Lord, that you, you make good use of all things, of all parts, of all parts of the body. God, we acknowledge that there are times when we wonder if, if our efforts, if our prayers, if our work in ministry, if it's all in vain. And then, oh God, I look at these books of genealogy, these, these uh, records that we see, particularly in the Old Testament. And I am mindful, O oh God, that every name belonged to a person or represented a family made in your image that were used in some way, shape, or form for the building of your kingdom, O oh Lord. 
And it reminds me, even now, and I pray that it reminds all of us, that while other people may not know our names, you know our names. Our names have great meaning and value to you. Our names, for those who are your children, are written in the book of life. And so, God, we thank you for this reminder today that we have purpose, that we have value. And it's not temporarily that we have value or seasonal, but we have eternal place and value in you. Our names matter to you. So, God, we thank you for this reminder today. And we thank you, O Lord, for this reminder that you indeed have given us different spiritual gifts. And I pray, O God, that you will continue to stir up these gifts amongst the body of Christ and that these gifts, we will be mindful to shepherd them in a way that demonstrates a love for you and a love for neighbor. I pray, O God, in accordance with the will of Scripture, that we would all seek to prophesy. I pray, O Lord, that you would place into each of us a word of encouragement and correction and life, a word that you speak through us to ourselves first and foremost, but one that we can give to someone else. I pray, oh God, that you would make us mindful that in the church, there are people who are watching us. As 1 Corinthian passage brings to mind for us today, that there may be outsiders who come in who wonder, what are they doing? (laughs) What are these Christians up to? And God, there are so many ways that we live without thinking about the fact that we have a witness before the world. Whether it's the way that we behave inside a worship service that's open to the public, not thinking about the ways in which our practices and our, the way we communicate, oh Lord, can be a stumbling block, can be a distraction, can be confusion to someone who does not understand. So I pray, oh God, that we would use our spiritual gifts in deeply hospitable ways, recognizing that they must not bring about confusion, but they must point to you and your worship, oh God. And Lord, even outside of the church, oh God, whether it's on social media or amongst where we might work if we leave our homes to work or where, wherever we may find ourselves, I pray, oh God, that you would grant us from wisdom on high that we would be clear Christians. We would not be confusing or chaotic Christians that we would not speak in a way or function in a way that leads people into chaos and confusion and bewilderment. Let your gospel come out of our lives and in our mouths clearly. By the power of the Spirit, give us a clear articulation of your gospel through the ways that we live. Let us not confuse people about who we are and who we claim to worship by how we live and how we speak and how we worship, O God. And God, so we submit ourselves to you and we ask by the power of the Spirit that you would show us how we have been chaotic or confusing or inhospitable in the way that we have functioned in our words, in our worship, and in the life that we have lived, and the ways in which we have centered ourselves and not been mindful of the way that others might perceive us. Help us to not be a stumbling block, O God, but help us instead to be ready and able and to be used of you, O God to be a clear ambassador for the love of Christ and for the beauty and the richness of the gospel itself. It is in your name that we pray and we thank you for your more than hospitable invitation that you have drawn us by the power of your spirit unto yourself with a clear message of the gospel that has indeed captured our hearts in a place of firm love and commitment. Thank you, O God that while we may not understand and fully grasp all the mysteries because your ways are simply 
higher than our ways. You have indeed made a way to reveal to us your gospel with clarity, with conviction, and with power. Thank you for your clarity, O God. And where we do not yet understand, would you continue to keep us and uphold us? It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. Life in God is less about what you could do and more about what you must do. Contrary to the life of the optional, accidental, and haphazard, the believer is called to live with a sense of divine necessity. No maybes about it. In Necessary Christianity, Bishop Claude Alexander unpacks the gospel statements of what Jesus said he must do. He must be about his father's business. He must go through Samaria. He must go to Jerusalem. Learn what is necessary for us to follow Jesus. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S shipping when you use the promo code the word that's promo code t-h-e-w-o-r-d at ivpress.com we pray this time of getting the word with truth table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of god's word but doers share your reflections on these scriptures with us on twitter and instagram using the hashtag get in the word and hashtag truths table saints Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. Yeah.